Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. We're in a series called The Church, that's capital C Church. And uh, two weeks ago, I began that by speaking about the church as restaurant or family. Then last week, cruise ship or battleship. Let me read to you 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. The Apostle Paul writes this to his protege, uh, someone that he's mentoring, someone who's young and who's gone out to Ephesus to lead a church, but he's, he's new at it. And Paul wants to give him some strength for the task that lies ahead. And so he says this, So that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. Then he gives a, a little explanation. He says, this is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. He says the church is something unique and something special. He says it contains the truth of God. He says it upholds the truth of God and itself is based on and stands on the truth. Think about it a minute. The truth is that the church is no ordinary organisation. Down through history, philosophers have predicted the demise of the church. Governments have and still in some places are persecuting the church. Media in large sections has mocked the church and people that are followers of Christ. Unfortunately, even some of its own have misrepresented the church. And yet millions, the best research I can find says that 70 million Christians have died for their faith in the gospel that the church presents, including 900,000 in the last decade. You don't have that happen if the church is, as some people think, just a place to go to worship and sing or a gathering of like-minded followers. It's got to be more than that. I believe that the church is supernatural. I really do. My confidence is never in the people in it. I'm a part of a wonderful movement called INC, the International Network of Churches. We've got thousands of churches around the world. I started in 1974 in Brisbane, right here in Australia. I've been a part of it for I don't know how long, but a long time. And I love what God is doing in this movement. But can I tell you that it's a lot more than a brand. It's a lot more than that. There is something supernatural about the church, something eternal and something indestructible. It doesn't matter how many uh, leaders there are that may stumble and fall, that may besmirch its reputation, or how many churches may disappear or, or not continue faithfully. The reality is the church will always continue because Jesus said, I will build my church. Amen. So we talked about restaurant or family, cruise ship or battleship. Today I want to give you another picture of how God sees the church. Have a look at the screen. Here comes another video for you. Knee injury during the game last week that still managed to kick two goals. 
Around, he goes off the left boot, gets it all together, Josh Kennedy. Bullet pass to the chest of Banfield. He looks like he's eager to play on. Not 15, he was trying to set up David Mundy. It doesn't matter anyway. If you're David Mundy, you can do anything. Inside the centre square, he is playing uh, in there at the moment. So Banfield's actually gone to gaff on the wing as well. Just before quarter time, he bangs through another. What a start for Fremantle. Eight goals in the first quarter, and Tavern has got three. Now, I'm very sorry to revisit the pain for certain people who are just massive supporters of the blue and gold right there. That's the Western Derby that was held recently where, unfortunately, West Australia's first team uh, came a bit unstuck. We'll just leave it there right for that. But I want you to think about this a minute because there are 18 players each side. I think I've got that right. There are four players on the interchange bench for each team. There's over 100 support staff for each AFL team. But at that game, there was 53,816 spectators. 18 players aside at one time on the field, 53,816 spectators. And can I suggest to you, that's the way a lot of people see the Church of Jesus Christ. They see it as professionals on the field with lots of people cheering those professionals on. But let me suggest to you that that's not how God sees the church. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9 says, He has saved us. Everyone say us. Point to another person and say, you are us. We are us. We is us. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. The last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, To Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood and has made us kings and priests. To his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Bible never paints the picture of the church like a sporting contest where there are professionals being cheered on by spectators, but rather it, it paints the picture of the church as being everybody on the field, everybody in a right place, everybody contributing to the final result. There are three ways to tell players from spectators. Over here, well, this I thought I'd better change codes to remove some of the pain from some of the brothers. Uh, this, is the, uh, this is a team outfit here for a soccer team. For the English people here, football. All right, but for the rest of us here in Australia, we call it soccer, all right? And, you know, I'm pretty sure you could buy this outfit. I know some of the people here that are big supporters of a, a, any AFL team. I remember doing a baby dedication for a family once where all the children were named after Essendon players. Where literally, I'm not making this up, walked through their house and the hallway had framed photos of every Essendon team going back to whenever. 
uh, they were so into it. And so I see people that buy the shirt and they buy the shorts and they have the scarf and they have the beanie and they have the cap and they have the footballs. They've got all the merch you can think of. They've got all that. But there's one difference that tells you whether the person's a player or a spectator. You can wear the same uniform as Josh Kennedy. You could grow a beard if you could and look just like Josh Kennedy maybe. I saw in the paper the other day, there were face uh, pictures you cut out of some guy rather, pardon me, I don't know who it was, and you could go around wearing it so you look like him. And you can do all that stuff there. But if you want to tell a player from a spectator, don't look at what's up here, look at what's down here. Because players wear things like this. Spectators wear whatever's comfortable. Spectators put on their feet. They don't look comfortable at all. Uh, spectators, they don't have to have traction on the field. All they've got to wear is something that they go, you know, I'm going to watch. I want something that's comfy while I'm there. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15, this is what the Apostle Paul again says. He says, Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Part of the armour of God is not the stuff up here that everyone can wear. It's a special footwear. Now, all my Christian life, I thought the preparation of the gospel of peace was where you got ready to share the gospel. Until this week where I just felt a prompting to look up the word preparation. And I discovered that the word preparation doesn't mean you preparing something to say to somebody. It actually comes from a root word meaning adjusted. It says this, having your feet that are going to take you on your walk adjusted by the gospel of peace. When you think about it like that, you get a vastly different picture that God says, I want your walk to be adjusted by the gospel. We live in a world right now and even some Christians where they are adjusting the gospel to their walk. I like that bit of the Bible. I don't like that bit of the Bible. So I tear that page out or I glue it together, or I just ignore it, or I just never read it. Amen. The Scripture says here, if you want to tell a player in the kingdom of God, are you ready for it? If you want to tell a player in the kingdom of God, they've got their walk adjusted by the gospel. They're letting the gospel adjust them. A player walks the path that they're told to, not whatever suits them. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Brisbane. My daughter said, do you want to come to your grandson's first or to an Oz kick game, which is the, the kids version of AFL. And so I said, sure. So I rugged up and went to a, a big park in Kedron. And there, he's five. So he's only just five years old and these kids are running around, they're all kicking the ball and, and I didn't understand all the rules. Apparently there are some for it, but I watched my grandson. This was his idea of playing Oz kick. 
plays going on around about. People are running everywhere, but Elroy, my five-year-old grandson, is doing it. At one stage, he decided to play chasey with a member of his own team. The, the ball's going there. They're running around chasing each other. Then he decided at one stage to engage in a shouting competition with a member of the other team. They're just standing, you know, nose to nose, seeing who can yell the loudest. Plays going on about, see, his walk wasn't being adjusted by the game. He's going wherever he feels like. And you know, if you're a Christian who is going wherever you feel like, well, that's fine when you're five. But if he's 25 and he's out there on the field still doing this, there'd be something drastically wrong, wouldn't there? You'd have to go, what's the matter? Doesn't he get the point of the game? The reality is this, if you're looking for a point to write down, write down this, players follow the coach's direction. And can I take my hat off to anyone who coaches junior sport? Because Lord have mercy, you have the patience of Job. Coaches are leaders. They're telling players where to go. I don't think that in the Eagles or the Dockers or pick your team or any, any sporting event, I don't think, oh, well, today I, I don't want to play in that position. I want to be in the forward pocket. I don't even know what that is, but it's something on the field. I just know it's a real thing. Or I want to be, sorry, I want to be in the midfield. I'll come to rugby league. I, I'm tired of being in the forward pack and getting smashed all the time. I want to be full back. All I got to do is catch the ball occasionally. Players follow the coach's direction. They listen to the coach. They've got an assigned position. Let me ask you, are you a player with an assigned position or are you just a random believer? Let me tell you the second difference between players and spectators. It looks like this. Foul on that person up there in level three, section 25, row 18, seat AA. Yellow card. Have you ever seen the referee call a foul on someone in the stands? Probably not, is my guess. No spectator ever fouls out, gets a red card. No spectators ever ruled offside. Players accept that there's an umpire. Amen. Oh, God bless me. I've played a few games. I've, I've lost count. I'm sorry to even admit this in the house of God, but I've had to apologise to my fair share of umpires because we won't even go there. But you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that the person who's got this is the one who controls the game. And it doesn't really matter whether I like their call or not. We have a saying, you know, that Jesus is either Lord of all or is not Lord at all. And so when you come to Christ, thank God for every promise and every blessing and every good thing that He's going to do in your life. But can I tell you, at some point or other, you will need to come to the point 
where you say, Jesus, I'm making you Lord of my life. You're the one with the whistle, not me. You get to call the shots. I'll do what you say. I'll go where you tell me to go. Because Lord, you're the one. And if you say it's out, then it's out. If you say no, go, then I go. One of my favourite stories is the one in Acts chapter 9 uh, and chapter 8 where Philip goes down to Samaria and he preaches the gospel and an entire city comes to Christ. And you know, you know that if that had been this day, then it would have been all over social media and there would have been TV crews because they gathered all their instruments of witchcraft. 20,000 pieces of silver worth, that was a fortune. And they made a huge bonfire declaring an end to witchcraft and a beginning to follow Christ. And that would have made the news in any uh, news media outlet across the space. Everybody would have known about it. And this guy would have been the one they would have wanted to interview. Philip, tell us about how this happened. Philip, tell us how you got started. Tell us about the early days. How did you feel when all these people began to bring their magic arts, their instruments of it, and lay them down until there was such a bonfire, uh, such a pile of things, you didn't know what to do with it. And Philip says, well, somebody came up with the idea, let's make a permanent end to this uh, part of our life. Let's burn all of that stuff. And we gathered around the bonfire, burning the magic arts, and began to sing how great is our God and how awesome He is. And we lifted up His name. It was so fantastic and he's in the middle of the high of all of that and everyone patting him on the back and saying you are the guy we can't believe you're not an apostle you should be we're going to make you one that's what would happen nowadays and then the Holy Spirit says to him go down to the road that goes to Gaza and just go and this guy leaves the crowd and all the people celebrating and he goes and stands I've looked it up on a map it's in the middle of nowhere. There's no town there. It's just an intersection of two roads. And he goes and stands there and he stands there for quite a while without knowing anything about what's about to happen until finally one chariot comes past. Just one. And this one thing comes past and then the umpire, Shh, go join yourself to this chariot. And he goes and joins himself to it. And the man's there and think about this a minute. The guy's a high official with the uh, Candace, Queen of the Ethiopians. He's a high official for this whole thing, but he's reading the book of Isaiah and he says, Can I wish someone would help me understand. And Philip, who was a, a, a part of the host team at his home church, says, let me explain it to you. Explains the gospel so powerfully. The man stops the chariot and says, hey, there's water there. Can I get baptised? He said, sure. And they go and baptise him. And then Philip disappears. Kadush. Gone. And the man can go from the crowd to a nowhere and from the nowhere to somewhere. All because, you see, he decided that Jesus was Lord. Are you with me? Come on, I, I, I'm living and longing for the church where every member of the church says, I've made Jesus my Lord. And things can change and circumstances can rise and fall and things could be good or things could be bad. But if Jesus is my Lord, I'll be faithful no matter what. Amen. I think that is one of the biggest differences. Playing means accepting His call. Here's the third thing. The third difference, if you like, is that players train to play. 
Think about it. I had a couple of guys from Western Force once at my home. They were friends of friends. They came for dinner and I offered them all the food that everybody else ate. And they said, sorry, can't eat that. I said, why not? Why can't I eat that? Look at this beautiful stuff. Apricot, tart, fruit, tartlet. Anybody want this thing? That is a cream-filled donut with jam. Seriously, it, don't be embarrassed. Don't go, oh, I'm so fit, I'd never touch that. Because we know that if I give it to you privately, you're going to scoff it in one go. Amen. Come on. Anybody want this, by the way? You do down there. Sister, yeah. He'll come and give it to you. Yuck. Oh, it's fresh water this morning. It's, it's very nice. Yeah, just. But think about it a minute. These guys from the Western Force, I said, why don't you eat that stuff? And they said to me, no, you don't understand. We've got a skinfold test tomorrow. And if we fail it, we're fined. They said, we can't eat everything that we'd like to. But you know, spectators, they're there knocking off three of them. <laughs> they got that custard-filled donut there until it's coming out of everywhere. It's disgusting. You better take it away. Take it, yeah, just go down the front there. You have not because you ask not. Amen. Right, right here next to Ruby. Not him. He doesn't need any. There you go. Well, she'll have it later. She don't want to eat that in church. Amen. Think about it a minute. There's no training required to be a spectator. No one says, before you come into the auditorium, before you come into the stadium, drop down and give us 100 push-ups. You can go in there as out of shape, so bad you can't climb the steps. And they'll let you in. You got your ticket? That's all that's necessary. But players accept discipline. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says this, Don't you realise that in a race everyone runs? but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes, look at that word, not spectators, all athletes are disciplined in their training and they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we're doing it for an eternal prize. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training to do what it should do. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Come on. Listen, anyone who tells you the Christian life is just laying back and letting the Holy Spirit just carry you has never done it. Amen. There's a few things where you've got to say no, even though you want to say yes. There's a few things where you've got to discipline your thought life. And you've got to discipline your word life. And you've got to discipline your body life. And you've got to discipline your relationship life. There's a few things I'm sorry to tell you, but if you want to be a player, there's going to be a few boots you're going to have to wear that'll adjust you. You're going to have to listen to the call of the umpire. And there's going to have to be a few things where you say, I'm in this to win. As a friend of mine says, if you're going to be a Christian, you might as well be a good one. I'll finish with this. 
Paul again writes to Timothy, that young protege, and he says this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, And the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men or women who'll be able to teach others also. Verse 3, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, No one engages in warfare and tangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Leave them up there for a minute. Because this word soldier in the English is the same word, but it's not the same word in the original language. The first word soldier in verse 3 simply means someone who fights. In other words, he's saying, if you're going to sign up in the kingdom of God, you're going to be a soldier. You will fight, you'll wrestle. But verse 4 adds a twist because that word soldier is a different one. It means someone who was chosen but enlisted. Someone that God picked but their response was yes. Someone that the Lord said, I'm calling you like the people did it earlier in the service that said yes to Christ. God was calling them. But can I tell you, there then has to come a response from you of saying, I'm enlisting. This is not conscription. This is not you have to. This is the Holy Spirit saying, will you give me your yes? Will you enlist in the warfare? Father, help us today in Jesus' name. Wherever we are and whatever our life looks like, some of us, Lord, will be in such awesome places with you that we feel like life is just so good, so blessed, so wonderful that we'd go, wow. Others of us, God, might be in a struggle. Maybe we're in a struggle with in ourselves. There's a wrestling going on to say yes, to listen to the coach. A wrestling, Lord, to say, I know God wants me to do this. Lord, would you help me? Father, I pray that your mercy will keep reaching to us and keep helping us in every way in the precious name of Jesus. I pray for everyone that's a part of this service, Lord, no matter what their background or what their current circumstances look like, I pray that today will be a day where they say yes again to the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand with me. We're going to worship the Lord for a minute. In the house of the Lord. Thank you. I pray that every single one of us today, we've already spoken about receiving Christ. Don't forget that yes text number is 488 Or you can go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. You can do that anytime, by the way. It doesn't have to be right now. We get those at all hours of the day and night, early mornings. I guess some of them will be from people in other time zones, but some of them are from people too that have heard the Gospel. They've heard the message and they've gone away thinking about it and the wrestling goes on and then they come to a point of yes. Thank you for giving your yes. So we're going to finish this service by singing this song, saying we worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. Amen. We're on a journey with Him. And I pray that you've decided to be a player in the things of God. Come on, let's love Him together. Let's sing.
worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Cafe's going to be open. Solomon Partha is online for ministry time. Rashida and Sebastian are out in the prayer space ready to pray with anyone who needs prayer. Next Sunday again, we'll give you opportunity for those that are still praying through your destiny offering commitment. There'll be another Sunday we get opportunity to make that commitment to God. God bless you. Pray you'll have a week as a player. In Jesus' name. God bless. See you somewhere soon. Amen.